Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that is very popular today, um, but many are not so familiar with its deep philosophical uh, truth and meaning as oneness, union, or unity. It, it means binding back, which refers to turning our attention around from being involved in externals to letting it rest in the core of our being, bringing our attention and our awareness to rest in our essential nature, being restored to our original wholeness. Yoga is abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization. And of course, knowing the truth of what we are allows us to then live in the highest way, to live in harmony with that truth. Today's topic uh, is going to bring us some insights into asana, um, this practice of hatha yoga. Our topic is stable and conducive to bliss. It's drawn from the Yoga Sutra verse uh, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra referring to asana as stira sukham asanam, stable and conducive to contentment or bliss. Asana, the posture or seat that prepares us for meditation, is an intentional meeting place for the body, mind, and the essential self. So we're going to take a deep look at how yoga philosophy and practice can help us transcend fear and experience bliss. And 
My guest today is Neta Chaya Herschel. She's the author of the new book, Vital Yoga, a source book for students and teachers. Meta is an enthusiastic practitioner and teacher of yoga. She's a registered yoga teacher with the highest level in yoga teaching and yoga therapy. In 2001, she opened a yoga studio in Albuquerque and has since developed a nationally certified teacher training program that is the basis of her book. Her vision for Vital Yoga is to elevate understanding of all that yoga offers, including learning about the body and mind through practicing poses on the mat, as well as working with the body and mind out in the world. Her website is yoganow.org, or you can go to vitalyogathebook.com. Welcome, Meta. I'm so delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And before we begin our dialogue about asana, let's take a moment to meditate. Let us open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. Divine Omnipresence, recognizing one reality called by many names as the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone, as everything. It is within us, it is around us, it is between us. Become aware of the sacred nature of our life. We need only pause for a moment and be still. And to do that, we can simply direct our attention within. We can use our breath to help us. So breathing in, simply feel that you're pulling your attention within. Dropping down into the core of your being. Into stillness essence, being, pure consciousness. And as you breathe out, feel that you're letting go of restlessness, activity for this moment, as you dive into stillness. Feel the cool air entering your nostrils. Feel the warm air flowing out. And as we become still, we can notice thoughts and feelings like clouds in the sky that move and change and pass away. And notice that we remain Grounded in our essential nature that is beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena, pure existence being. Peace emanates from our being. Invite it now to pervade your mental field, your emotional nature, your physical body. And let us agree to abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Oh. 
in our conversation this morning about asana, um, we're going to draw from Amita's uh, new book, Vital Yoga, and she has divided her book into three sections. So in the three segments of the program, we're going to follow that. And in the first segment of her book, she calls Before the Mat, and that allows us to take a holistic view of yoga and a a deep uh, glimpse into the philosophy that underlies it. And, And she also shares, of course, what yoga has meant to her own spiritual journey. In your book, Vital Yoga, you write, It was yoga that helped me forge a connection to my inner self. Contrary to widespread belief, yoga is not simply a series of postures to promote flexibility, balance, and strength. Although it does these things, to see it only in such terms is to miss its real potential, for yoga is ultimately about personal transformation. The statistics say that over 16 million Americans practice yoga. The statistics that say that over 16 million Americans practice yoga refer primarily to hatha yoga, the system for balancing the body and mind that prepares us for meditation. Some do stop at the door of yoga as simply a form of physical exercise, but it doesn't really take much to discover that there's so much more to yoga and what the goal of yoga really is. So even those who go to a yoga class today to get in shape are likely to find much greater resources and through their own positive experiences notice inner transformation is occurring. So Let's talk about what you've discovered along the way with this journey of yoga, Meta. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how you discovered the path, and and uh, what it has meant to you. Thank you so much, Ellen, and thank you for that lovely meditation. It was just beautiful. Uh, you know, I came to yoga really kicking and screaming in a way. I was living in New York. Uh, I was loving my my job, and I had a first child, 1987, and, and uh, I loved my daughter, and all of a sudden, I started to not be able to breathe, and I didn't know what that was about. I had never had a problem with this before, and that began, 1988, really, a decades-long journey to health, and what I discovered over time was that I had asthma and that uh, I needed to find a way to feel healthy and happy. And, you know, honestly, if there had been a pill to take or an, an inhaler to use that would have fixed me, I would have been delighted to do that and go on. It's not, it just didn't work. The, the drugs that Western medicine offered me made me crazy and otherwise had terrible side effects. So I really was searching for a way to feel good. That's a simple thing. My body began not work and I didn't know what to do. So, um, that's what happened, and it was through yoga that I've, I've, I've gotten this robust health, which has been so terrific. Well, that is um, really beautiful, and it's so affirming, isn't it? You know, when you move in the direction of greater awareness, um, enhanced health and well-being, then you know you're on the right track. <laughs> and, um, yes. you know, you're, we are our own feedback system, and of course, that's really what yoga is about. You know, we're supposed to use the methodology, experiment with it, and, um, and, and use our own lives as the laboratory, you know, the proving grounds to, to test it out. You know, I, I grew up in the, in the generation where yoga was really, you know, just being introduced to the mass, um, 
consciousness in, in, in America. At that time, um, you know, some of the older listeners will remember there was a television show of Richard Hedelman had yoga on television. And um, that was really my first introduction of just watching this um, man do yoga. Uh, well, actually, he had female models. And, and now the lovely <laughs> Elaine will now um, demonstrate. <laughs> but, um, it, it was, it, it was, I could sense, you know, even with that um, little bit of experience of trying the poses and then the quiet that would come from yes. sitting um, after, um, that there was something there for me. But of course, my my journey into the heart of yoga began when I met um, my guru, Roy Jean Davis, and was introduced to the philosophy of yoga and the practices of meditation. And then from there, I circled back around to asana and mm. um, discovered, you know, that that it's just a winning combination, really. Yes, I yes. Kept together ever ever since and and of course it was really designed um that way uh, to begin with when we read the texts about hatha they say that the that the purpose of hatha yoga is really for to accomplish raja yoga you know to be able right. to meditate and to be able to live um ethically uh in the world in, in your book in the introduction you you use a, a lovely um technique uh, from the wisdom yoga called Neti Neti where we, we look at what something is not to discover what it really is and you right. had a whole list of what yoga is not and um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. You know, you say yoga sure. is, is not a, a new age invention. <laughs> yes, you know, there are so many misconceptions about yoga. I felt like let's just kind of get those off the table um, by looking at them carefully. And uh, so this idea that yoga is a new thing is just, of course, ridiculous. It's It goes back perhaps to the ancient Saraswati Indus civilization, which is maybe, oh, you know, two, three thousand years before the common era. We have images of what looked like yoga poses then. So, and, of course, the, the texts go to the second century, and then they go on for hundreds certainly thousands, hundreds of years. That doesn't mean that downward-facing dog has been around that long. I'm not saying that, but the philosophy, the understanding that that basically our happiness is related to our thinking. You know, that when we believe every single thing that crosses our mind, usually unhappiness follows. We have to learn through poses, through meditation, through all kinds of wonderful practices to be able to choose what we think about and that that's this incredible glide path to happiness. Well, and, you know, I think it is the recognition um, that we find, you know, through yoga practice that we are not our minds. I mean, that yes. is a revolutionary <laughs> awareness. You know, we, we have some sense, perhaps, that we're not the body, although sometimes, you know, our awareness is fully there, um, and we do identify with the body. Um, but yoga practice, through being able to experience stillness and some luminosity in the mental field, um, allows us to recognize that we are the witness, we are the observer. So we can actually um, occupy that place that you're describing, you know, where we don't, we can, we can be more selective about our, our thinking process. Um, without Sorry. yoga, I'm not really sure how that even occurs. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I think it is a, a great 
a great gift in that way. And in, in your book, I think you do a lovely job of also, you know, pointing out um, the principal texts uh, that yoga is drawn from, talking about the systems of Indian philosophy um, mm-hmm. that help us to see what the origins of the philosophy of yoga are. And uh, your, your next on the on next on your list is that yoga is not a religion, mm. and um, I think that's also an important distinction to make. Yes, you know, um, first of all, sort of what is a religion, and, and the reason it's it's so important. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, and I would say fear around it. And so I don't know one thing: the religion generally is there's some belief system. You need to believe in something, and yoga is quite clear. There's no requirement to believe in, you know, a God or believe in some um, dogma. Really, it's a laying out of a set of practices and approaches to life. The principle one we've just talked about, which is that we are not just our thoughts and that we get, I, I call it the ultimate choice system. Like, we get to choose what we think about. And if we do that, Generally, happiness follows, and we get to find that true self, that place that you spoke about so beautifully in the opening meditation, the place that is us, that is beyond change, that is, you know, our core, what we might call a nugget of of beauty, a divine gem that you can turn. If we do identify with all the thoughts that come our way, then chances are we're going to be a little unhappy. Dukkha. We might be not so, it's a Sanskrit word. And so, not a belief, really. It's saying, this is a practice. If this happens, then that. If that happens, then that. And it also says, quite clearly, it's your job to figure it out. You don't have to say, I believe in yoga. I believe this is true at all. So, that's why I don't see it it rises or goes to the level, whatever you want to say about religion. It's a series of practices. In fact, I would go a step further. I would say that if you are practicing yoga... And truly finding your mind stuff and watching yourself, you should dive more deeply into your religion of choice or heritage. It should make you more. It's not supposed to change that. It's supposed to cultivate your true self, your true goodness. Mm, that's a beautiful way to describe it. And certainly that is what, um, in our tradition of Kriya Yoga, that is what Paramahansa Yogananda taught. You know, that people don't have to change their religion to practice mm. yoga. Um, mm. The result should be that you bring more awareness to it. Now, sometimes, yes. of course, you know, we need to say that bringing more awareness um, does cause you to change, you know, how you how yes. you see things. So if you, if you have certain viewpoints that are not accurate, you know, those need to be renounced so that you can can live in accordance uh, with the truth that you know. Um, we're yes. having a beautiful conversation this morning about asana, uh, about the philosophy of yoga and how asana fits into that with guest Meta uh, Chaya Herschel. And you can find out more about her book and her work at yoganow.org. And we're going to take a break now and we'll be back in just a moment and talk about the practice of asana. We'll be right back with you.
It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rose Murgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemurgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand, a little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and I'm joined today by Meta Chaya Herschel, author of the new book Vital Yoga. And in this segment, we're going to look at some insights into the practices of asana. Uh, Meta, you write in your book, the practice of asana is called hatha yoga, meaning balance of oppositional forces. There's never a movement spent in one direction without attention given to balancing the force in some way. Yoga poses involve working with such oppositional forces as stability and freedom and edges. Finding the correct balance between stability and freedom that allows for both is not only a focus of yoga, but also a metaphor of life. For example, Mm. we've all experienced going too far in something, perhaps in drinking, eating, or working, and also staying too 
grounded or, you know, we might say stuck <laughs> and thus <laughs> unable to spontaneously enjoy things. Balancing these two concepts on the mat can build confidence in maintaining balance off the mat. And uh, you, you do a beautiful job of describing how, you know, really our relationship with the body can and does um, teach us. So, you know, what has this practice of asana taught you? You know, it's almost, I feel, the answer to that is infinite because it's taught me so much. Um, It's taught me the ability to, ultimately, I think, it's taught me the ability to trust myself. And that's really tricky because to trust yourself, you have to have some good experiences, like you make the right decision and things go well and you go, okay, I can do that again. And how does yoga asana uh, support that? I mean, and I think it has to do with coming to the mat, you know, over a long period of time, you know, for a lot of practice and trying again and again to come to your body, to come to my breath and to find stability and balance. And as I do that, I noticed that my body has wisdom. Like if it tells me to do something and I listen to it, it actually is true. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the tricky part. You know, there's been a lot, perhaps your the listeners are aware of sort of yoga being scary. You get injured and this yoga makes you this and that, injuries. And I just honestly believe and have experienced and have seen in my students, if we can connect to our breath and the pose and go again and again to the edge that's appropriate where we can still breathe and experience our bodies, we don't get hurt because mm-hmm. we're, we're in a communication. We're in a connection to ourselves. And that connection, it sounds like, well, you, you can do downward facing dog or you can do warrior one. It's so much more than that because that process of being in a kind of a safe place, you know, on a mat in a room and trying these things where we trust ourselves to try this and then we adjust ourselves to make adjustments, well, that's a metaphor. And so we're able to then go out in the world and say, you know, maybe it didn't work for me to immediately scream at the person who cut me off on the road or immediately at, you know, whatever behaviors maybe weren't working for us or even thought patterns. I think it gives us confidence over time to try shifting those behaviors too and see what happens next. It, it really does. And, and I've had a, a similar experience to, you know, what you describe in that the balance, I think, you know, for one thing, just if you, ha- if you develop a hatha yoga practice, one of the first things you're going to do is slow down, ideally, you know, unless you're approaching it as aerobics. But, you know, hopefully you don't do that. And so one of the first, <laughs> one of the first things that you do is you start to slow down. And then you, yes. you have to increase your awareness of your body and mind and the body-mind connection, and then what arises is your awareness of um, prana, a vital force of energy, and much more uh, subtle uh, cues, you know, that come from the body and the mind. You know, I, I really found and continue to find that when I'm practicing Hatha regularly, that the balance that I experience um, through asana helps me to stay balanced, you know, in, in other ways. And I find that I, I treat the body better. I mean, it's sort of interesting is that, um, 
that the time that you take to really connect to the body with asana practice can be carried throughout your day. So, uh, you know, and a very practical example of this for me is that I find my eating behaviors are much more conscious when Mm -hmm. I'm practicing um, hatha yoga because I'm better able to listen to the body and what the body really wants and needs. You know, and as you say, there's intelligence there and it will tell you. Yes, um, yes, yes. And, you know, if if we listen, you know, it's learning to take that kind of pause, um, you know, to to really tune in. You know, one of the very beautiful and inspiring things about your book that I just loved um, that's different, you know, uh, it's unique from many uh, Hatha Yoga books that have been done so far is that you have the poses shown with models of different ages and different flexibility levels. So one of your models is 83 years old, mm-hmm. another uh, 52, and another 35. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're showing that you know, yoga is not about how flexible you are or, you know, how much you can do a pose, you know, externally to look like someone else, um, but but how it is that, you know, it can be approached, you know, with the breath, with awareness of energy in the body and the mind. So what have you found to be the best way um, to encourage people of all ages to approach the practice of hatha yoga? Yes, exactly. And and part of that is that I think there's this little innocent misunderstanding that the purpose of yoga poses is to make a pose look beautiful or be, you know, the way the pose looks. But actually, for instance, my friend who, who was 82 and 83 when those photos were taken, Wyatt, you know, he's doing yoga. And of course, it's not about whether the pose looks a certain way. It's can he feel his body, and then how? Do, what does that mean in real time? Well, then when you get in a car and drive, for instance, I call it the travel yoga. You know, you get out and do a few stretches and breathe and feel your body so that you don't end up at your destination contracted and sore. Like you know, you become aware of your body and how to move and open it on the mat, but not as an endpoint as a beginning so that then throughout your life as you say you listen to your body while you're doing dishes are you feeling tension in your shoulders I'll never forget one time I was doing a practice it was pretty intense it was very vigorous and I took a little break like like an hour into it or something I was going drinking some chai tea and as I'm drinking the chai tea all of a sudden I'm aware that my shoulders are completely hunched like I'm just like an old person like rolling over and I realize now isn't that ironic I hear I've just done an hour of yoga hot you know very intense ashtanga practice working to open my heart and I take a break and the first thing I do is hunch and that was a really good awakening for me like yeah we want to take it every we want to feel our bodies open and strong and flexible and awake all the time and mm-hmm. and the poses on the mat can help us move there Mm-hmm. I yeah, I really love the way that you address that in your book, and you have many uh, ways that you know people can take their practice into the day. You know, whether it's at their desk or in the car, and you know, one of my um, favorite 
uh, times for for hatha is the bending in the shower <laughs> or the balancing. <laughs> you know, the balance on one foot as you wash the other foot, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's great. Or brushing your teeth is a good time too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's really lovely not to think of your practices compartmentalized into that hour or hour and a half that or you know or half hour, whatever time you're whatever. Awesome. Um, to to really understand that it's about um, occupying the body in a conscious way. And there are many other um, practices that are part of the landscape of Hatha Yoga. Yes. The physical postures. Um, You know, one that is commonly included in um, classes today that is, of course, part of the eight limbs of yoga practice is pranayama. And uh, you have written that for thousands of years, yogis have taught that our life force of prana can be guided through breath practices to become a very powerful tool for liberation. Most of our breaths are unconscious, yet breathing techniques can be cultivated to offer us many physical and spiritual benefits, including samadhi or ecstasy. Since prana, as the life force that livens the body, is linked to the breath, the practices of pranayama are a natural connection for both asana practice and meditation. When we practice asana with awareness and deep concentration, we learn to observe the flow of prana through its connection to the breath and discover uh, its the role of vital force in opening the body, the heart, and the mind. Um, learning how to move and regulate prana through the breath aids us in this um, discovery and, of course, prepares us um, for the subtle shifts that occur in um, meditation. So, you know, what have you noticed in your own practice and with students um, f- about incorporating the practices of pranayama with asana? It just makes, makes the asana so powerful. And, you know, since I came to yoga as problem breathing, asthma was what brought me to yoga, uh, the, the breath practice is absolutely inter- integral to me, and it's how I teach yoga. I, I almost, in my worldview, don't understand poses without pranayama. I mean, we have to find the, a cultivation of the breath. So for me, you know, the, I, I um, have actually worked on a particular strategy for asthma and yoga, and that's about a certain practice that allows us to build lung capacity. And so that's the first thing is that I'm strong. I just ran the Big Sur Marathon the end of April, and at the end of which my lungs were stronger than, you know, better than at the beginning. So I, I credit that to yoga. And then in my students, um, you know, it depends on, on, the, on the pose and the student and the issue, but you can do so many ways to use pranayama. You know, you can use it to build your core strength. You can, like, work those, massage those belly muscles by supporting uh, these sort of really fun pranayama practices. Or you can work to cool down. Right now, you know, it's the summer, and there are special practices for cooling and relaxing. So, um, it, it, as I, in a certain way, I just feel like you can't real. I personally can't really separate pose practice from breathing practice. I just think mm-hmm. they're so connected. Mm, they are, and and of course, anybody who's ever taken a 
a hatha yoga class is is usually familiar with the instructor saying, you know, okay, now breathe. <laughs> you know, so, the, so the very the very basic part of it is just first, you know, becoming conscious of your breath, and then of course pranayam is is being able to regulate the breaths through mm-hmm. conscious inhalation exhalation and retention of the breath in in order to then be able to move um, vital force and become uh, more aware of it and to expand the flow of vital force. And, you know, really that expansion of prana um, is what um, brings the... um, the the joy of a posture. In, in other words, yeah. you know, when, when we work on the posture from the outside, you know, trying try, having an idea in our mind of what it looks like, and then trying to bend the body in that way, um, that's one way to practice. But using the breath and the energy is working it from the inside. And when the mm. when the energy begins to flow unobstructed. Um, the body will uh, relax and take us deeper into the pose in a very natural way. So it's sort of like, you know, one way is sort of like trying to open a flower from the outside. And, and yeah. the other way is, you know, <laughs> allowing the life force that's within the flower um, to, to open it. Yeah, um, so you, you also touch on um, bandhas and mudras, um, these uh, signs and seals or locks um, that, that are taught. And you quote the Hatha Yoga Pradipika on mudra, that the yogi should carefully practice the various mudras to rouse the great goddess Kundalini that mm-hmm. sleeps, closing the mouth of Shashumna, the doorway to the absolute. So there's this connection to uh, with mudra and the awakening of energy. What have you noticed about the practice of of mudras or bandhas uh, with hatha? It's so it's so great to, that you asked that question. Mudras are often kind of ignored in in hatha yoga. Although, as you quote the Pradipika, it's one of the four chapters equal to asana. Um, so one thing about mudra, the, what we do with our hands, you know, all you have to do is make yourself a fist and hold the fist really, really tightly and then relax it and notice the difference in the experience of that. Or go up to someone and put your hand right in their face and push away. I mean, we, I think we actually use mudra all the time. And so, and so it just becomes, you know, yet another way to be more conscious with our body and our prana. So, uh, like for instance, in a, in a yoga pose, we might want to experience a little more freedom or we're feeling a little stuck. So we're kind of aware of some sort of sticky issue. And we can make our hands go in a, a flowery way, hook the thumbs and spread the fingers. That's called Garuda Mudra. And and my experience, and I'm happy to say many of my students, you know, you do feel like, oh, I mean, I agree that you need to be in a pose and be opening the body. I, I think that there are I, you start with asana and you build the sense of, as you beautifully say, the movement of prana in the body. And to add that, to intensify, and to be cultivating it in even a more sensitive way to ourselves. Like, what's going on with us right now? And how can we work with that? Mudra is a great support. Mm-hmm. And, if, and you know, it makes me think, too, that, of course, hatha yoga 
arose, you know, from the inner experiences of the rishis, the sages, and, you know, the way that you're describing it is so consistent with that, that really it should arise, you know, from within us. So the signs and seals, you know, naturally comes from following our own consciousness, you know, to, to touch the earth as our witness, you know, to bring the the uh, index finger and the thumb together in a, in a circle yes. to signify wisdom. You know, so so many of these just, just small movements can reflect uh, a much deeper meaning. And, of course, all of this points us then in the direction of meditation, you know, balancing mm-hmm. the energy, quieting the mind. Um, to come into this conscious awareness of our true selves. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour today with special guest Meta Chaya Herschel. And I want to point you to her website, yoganow.org, and you can learn there more about her book, Vital Yoga. And we welcome your comments or questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Coming up in the last segment, we'll be talking about yoga in the world, taking our yoga practice into our daily life. We'll be right back with you. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed and there's no other door in sight? In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that Everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, and her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan, show you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week, they'll entertain you with the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Their guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. 
There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Meta Chaya Herschel. And we've been talking about asana in the eight limbs of yoga called Ashtanga Yoga or Raja Yoga that are um, delineated in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. You know, the first uh, two limbs are about the ethical practices, the yamas and the niyamas, ten of them. And, uh, and then the third limb is asana that um, begins to prepare us um, for meditation. And so we've talked this morning about um, how Hatha Yoga uh, is a science, really, of body and mind awareness developed to support meditation. But, of course, it's so much uh, richer than uh, physical exercise or even preparation for meditation. It's really preparation for living and for living consciously. Yoga is meant to be lived. It's really uh, a way of life in which we bring enhanced awareness, presence, and focus to all that we do. It it transforms the body and the mind, that, and it allows the inner light of the self to shine through and supports us in living with greater wisdom and compassion. And... Um, in your book, Meta, you you have uh, offered some creative ways to bring greater awareness. And, and when I was looking at it, I thought, well, really, even she's talking about bringing greater kindness and compassion uh, to the body throughout the day and everyday situations. And we talked a little bit about that, but um, I think it's worth coming back to, you know, in, in mm-hmm. terms of what are, what are some of the ways that people can, you know, bring their yoga practice uh, into their daily life. You know, I, th- I think we spoke about some ways like on the physical plane of working on balance and flexibility, but I think there are also really important ways to do it in so that our minds don't get agitated. And what are the ways that we can commonly, all of us in America, or your listening audience, get agitated? It can be in the traffic when we're driving, and, and I, I develop little ways where if I see a car cut me off, which happens, I'll think, oh, yeah, when was the last time I cut somebody off? I bet I did. Or all these cars moving down the highway, each of those could be one of my thoughts. And so we get less attached to the ego and uh, getting angry. And it's more just like this big play that's going on before us. Uh, So that's one way. Another way is um, when we begin to practice yoga and we begin our cultivating that meditative practice, which I just want to dispel the idea, Ellen, and I, I know you have this too, that it's not just only sitting in a cushion on a, in a room. Meditation can be really all of our lives. It really means being able to watch the breath. 
so um, I had to have some surgery not long ago last fall, and I decided that I would. It was eye surgery, which was kind of scary. So mm-hmm. I, I got um, a chant that I worked on. I just before I started, and all during when I'm lying on the gurney in the room with all this chaos around me, there I'm chanting to myself, and I'm chanting and breathing and imagining good things. And people came up to me. I couldn't see them. My eyes were covered. They'd say you look more relaxed than anybody I've ever seen here. Twice, two people said that to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's not some character trait. It's because of yoga. It's just mm-hmm. that I I found a practice that I could use that I knew, I just knew that was going to be a stressful situation. It would be scary for me. If I know that, what can I use from yoga? And in my case, that was chanting or meditating that would like like smooth the path for me. So it still was a little scary, but it was doable and I could relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful example, and I know you've heard probably many from your students, and and I have as well, of just um, what a difference it can make to bring more peace and balance into the situations that we face, and, and yeah. to be able to... You know, really, it's to stand in that essential nature. I mean, to yes. rest in that, you know, that is unchanging. And, and to know that, and to know that directly through our own experience, be able yes. to observe that everything around us is moving and changing. And, you know, I think uh, above all, I would say that yoga has given me uh, that little bit of um, distance between, mm. you know, my uh, the sense that I have of myself and events. Um, yes. Where you know before I I would find myself you know um, being tossed around by events and circumstances and um, so yoga can really bring us a great sense of peace and and balance in that way. Um, what would you say has been your greatest joy on the path of yoga? Well, I think it's twofold, honestly. Of course, the first joy is that I was able to regain my robust health. I mean, I, 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 at one point when I was in my 30s, I thought maybe I'm just going to be hospitalized every couple months and hardly able to do anything. You know, I was really in bad shape. So that's the first thing is that I was able to regain joy and health. Now, it's true that part of that, honestly, was getting divorced and was changing what I did. I mean, I, I think that it's all related. It's not – certainly I would never say – the um, the remedy for anything, especially asthma, is a few yoga poses. I think it's our whole life that reflects our health. And the second joy is the joy, the incredible joy I experience um, when I teach and I see the changes that other people have. I, I do a teacher training program in a retreat, and when I see people go from contracted and miserable into joy and understanding who they are, I, I don't know a greater joy on the planet. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a miracle to me. Mm-hmm. Yoga is a miracle, and to see people come and, you know, it's not easy. You know, I, I often say to students when they begin the teacher training personal enrichment program, you know, everybody wants to feel good, everybody wants to get better, and I want you to know, I believe yoga Yoga will do that, but it won't be easy. There'll be times when it'll feel crummy, when you'll be sad, when it'll be you'll wonder how it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. And all I can say is, they say in yoga, "Abhyasa vairagyabhyam." Okay, that sounds funny. It means practice with non with non attachment. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do is keep the practice in your mind. Don't be attached to what happens next. And my experiences, I've witnessed just just really amazing, heartwarming changes in other people it's just been a gift it is a great joy isn't it and 
And um, it, it, I think it's also true that, you know, when we take up the path of yoga, it's really a path of conscious and intentional and balanced living. And so yes. very often we will go through some important changes. Um, I remember, you know, years ago coming to the path and thinking, oh no, you know, I have to change everything. <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, many things did, did change because I was not living a life in balance. And mm-hmm. yoga helped me find my way, you know, into living authentically. And, um, you know, certainly that has been um, my greatest joy. And, um, you know, you're sharing um, your insights of yoga and how it's possible for people um, not only to learn for themselves but, but to teach others um, is a wonderful yes. way to be um, passing it on. So, you know, what difference do you see that yoga um can make in our world today? I I really honestly, with all my heart, believe that the way the world gets better is each of us be more of who we are. That it's not each of us are the rock star or the, the Gandhi or the president. Each of us becomes more whole and who we are. And by doing that, the world gets saved. That's honestly what I believe. And I know there are other paths to do it, and I honor all paths. And for me, yoga is that way. It helps me become who I am. I, my students who come to me, I them. And when each of us can be riding in our own vision, living in that, practicing nonviolence toward ourselves first, and then it's not a narcissistic practice at all. It's that we believe you have to start with yourself and then move out into the world. And from there, yeah, great things happen, I believe. You can build community locally. You can meditate. I'm going to organize a meditation. I am for Pema Children's 76th birthday on uh, July 14th. That will be a community meditation in a park. I, I really believe that the world does change when each of us becomes more alive. Mm, and it's a really consistent with the um, philosophy of yoga that, you know, that first we become awake and aware and then we can share that awareness and we can share that peace um, with others. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with you and thank you, Meta, for being my guest today. Um, for more information about Meta's book, Vital Yoga, and her work, um, go to yoganow.org or you can visit vitalyogathebook.com. Thank join you, me. Thank You're you. welcome. <laughs> uh, join me next week with special guest Richard Davidson, the world-renowned neuroscientist. He was one of the first to do groundbreaking research on meditation and the brain. He was working with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the monks as early studies, and and of course his work has continued uh, through the years. He now has a new book out with uh, Sharon Bagley, and the book is called The Emotional Life of Your Brain. So we'll. We'll be exploring meditation, science, and your brain, insights from neuroscience that can change your life. For information about uh, summer programs and retreats at, at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit our website, csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you next week. And until then, let your inner light shine into the world. And remember to 
share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Thank you again, Mete. It was a delight to uh, talk with you this morning. Thank you. It's been an honor. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony, healing and creative ideas, is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the oneness blessing Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
have seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. You Can Heal Your Life follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome their challenges. Tune in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, We must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, You Can Heal Your Life, with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 